This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we'll talk about what you can do if you don't have a lawyer. Maybe you don't need one or maybe you can't afford one. With our guest, Assistant Director Chris Simpson. And this summer, she becomes the Director of the Law School's Pro Bono Initiative. Good morning, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz, and it is uh, a real honor to have uh, Christine Simpson on today. As you mentioned, she is the uh, director of our pro bono initiative, and she um, recently was a recipient and served as the Borch- as a Borchard Fellow. Uh, and what that is, there are only there are only four people in the country of all the law students that applied for that position that were selected uh, as a Borchard Fellow back in 2016 when she took the position. She worked with North Mississippi Rural Legal Service services, helping to create resources for uh, people with uh, elderly people, law and aging issues. uh, And that was a really uh, prestigious position. She worked with a lot of the pro bono units around the state and, 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 uh, you know, assisting and creating those resources. And now we're so happy that she is going to be directing our pro bono initiative. Uh, It's an honor to have her here. Welcome to our show, Christine. Thank you. Well, you sound like uh, a real go-getter. What uh, was there anything that particularly spoke to you on um, starting your career, helping others, you know, gain legal representation? I was an intake officer for a youth court here in Mississippi, and. I struggled with how some of the things were represented in court and how they were helped, and I would tell my husband, you know, that certain things bothered me, and he said, well, then go to law school and make a difference, (laughs) and that's what I did. Well, that's fantastic, and uh, I think so many people in North Mississippi will have and will benefit from your leading the uh, pro bono initiative. So tell us about what that organization and what does it do? It is a organization at the law school that helps the law students gain some practical experience interviewing clients, uh, assisting them with legal advice and with drafting documents. We coordinate pro bono events with other organizations, and then we recruit students to go to those events where they are paired with an attorney and work under the supervision of that attorney. But it really gives them the practical use of the legal theory they've been learning in class. And we I've noticed on the pro bono initiative website the the clinics that are in June in Corinth, Greenville, Fulton and Tupelo and we'll have all that information on our website mpbonline.org/inlegalterms. 
And I, I want to throw in there, um, back in March, the Mississippi legislature declared June Access to Justice Month. And um, previously, Chief Justice Waller of the Mississippi Supreme Court had called upon the chancery courts in the state to host these type of clinics. And there are now, now actually 30 free family law clinics that will be held in June around the state, and they can go to courts.ms.gov to learn if there is a clinic near them. Oh, fantastic. I'm writing that down, courts.ms.gov. We'll have that link on our website so that our listeners uh, who are interested can uh, uh, find can check for a, a, a seminar near them. So I- explain a little bit uh, for if someone were to come into one of these clinics, the, the law students are there, they're working with an attorney, what, what are some, what, what's an experience that a, a general person might have if they went to one? Well, most of the clinics are family law matters, so if someone has a situation where they need a divorce or maybe guardianship over a child, name change, um, and some of the clinics are expungement clinics where you can get a criminal incident expunged from your record, and they, for most of these, you have to qualify financially, so you have to be in a certain income range to receive this free advice, but they come in, they're supposed to bring all the documents with them pertaining to their matter, and they are teamed with an attorney and a law student partners with the attorney, and they just tell the attorney what is going on. The attorney interviews them, gets all of the facts. They provide free legal advice for that matter, and if any documents are needed, they can draft the documents there on site that the person can then take to court and file. The attorney does not represent that person past that clinic, uh, so they, they are on their own for filing and going to setting up the hearing and going to court. But they receive some really good background information on how to handle all of that and, and instructions on what to do. Well, and as uh, Professor Gershon, as we learned last week on how to select an attorney and what to take to your first uh, attorney meeting, we talked about uh, taking copies, not originals, of your documents uh, and having as many documents that pertain to your situation as possible. Is that correct? That's right. I think the, you know, it really helps the students. It helps the lawyers if people come prepared, uh, think about what it is they, they want and what they're trying to accomplish and maybe write that down, but also their documents and that will make it better for everyone and I think one thing that has helped lawyers uh, be able to volunteer in these settings the ethical rules used to say that once you took on a matter you had to take it pretty much all the way through to court and uh, fairly recently really the American Bar Association and states have followed along to say that lawyers can handle a matter for a particular issue for a client or you know take on a part of it and help them get started without being the attorney of record for the case. So that really does help. And and what Christine and her students are doing and the lawyers around the state are are doing is really uh, giving a lot of time and a lot of help to a lot of people. Well, we're talking this morning about uh, what you can do if you don't have a lawyer, uh, you don't have enough money to hire one, or your particular situation might not need one. If you have a question, we'd love for you to give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That number is one 877 
672-7464. And we have our first call is June from Gulfport. Thanks for calling in legal terms. You're on the air. Thank you, and uh, I appreciate you taking my call. My question is, my husband and I had a will drawn up by an attorney over 10 years ago, and nothing's changed, but do wills expire? Professor Gershon? Uh, I'm not sure I understand how a will would expire. Um, uh, wills don't have expiration dates on them. I, I don't know. You know, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not really sure I even understand the question then because, uh, you know, once you have a will, you, you do want to update it, obviously, if there are changes. But if things haven't changed, then, you know, the will should still be valid as long as it was valid when it was executed. Oh, good to know. Well, thank you very much, June. We appreciate uh, you, you calling in. Um, thank you. So uh, we're talking with Christine Simpson, who is the director of the Pro Bono Initiative at the University of Mississippi. And I understand you've also worked with your students on um, uh, helping create forms for people to use by pro-C litigants. So tell us of what a pro-C litigant is and tell us about some of the forms you've worked with. A pro se litigant is someone who represents themselves. Maybe they can't afford an attorney, or in some cases they feel they can just handle it all themselves. And so they are going through the process without an attorney. And in about 2011 or 2012, Debbie Bell, who was the director before me, worked with some students, and they created some forms that were... The idea was that the person could fill in their needs and it would help them create the document they needed to file in court. Unfortunately, the project stalled and um, the forms were started and they were passed on to the next level, but they've gotten stalled and have not been published anywhere yet. But people are still working on trying to get that done. The Mississippi Access to Justice Commission uh, has a committee that is actually working on trying to help pro se litigants throughout the state and what can be done to make it easier on both the person trying the case, you know, trying to get their matter through court and the judges who are trying to help those pro se litigants get their matters through the court. Uh, And one of the things they are going to be doing is developing some videos called self-help legal videos where they will be providing instructions on what a person might need in order to file their case, what documents they would need, how to file it, how to serve the other party, how to present their case in court, how to testify in court, how to cross-examine a witness in court, and they're hoping to have videos addressing all of those matters by hopefully within the year. All right, and we're going to take our first break of the hour, and when we come back from the break, we'll continue our discussion about uh, what you can do if you can't afford a lawyer or when you don't need a lawyer, and uh, we'll hear maybe some of the times that uh, you can advocate for yourself when are when can someone be a pro se litigant that so if you have any questions give us a call our number is 1-877-MPB-RING that's 
877-672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Now, we realize that not everybody has the chance to listen to our whole show live. So if you miss any part of this program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB media app, as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Our guest today is Christine Simpson. She is the director of the law school at Ole Miss Pro Bono Initiative. And we're talking about what you can do if you can't afford a lawyer or uh, if you need to advocate for yourself. Uh, We'd love for you to participate in our uh, topic. You can call us if you have a question. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING, and that works out to be 1-877-672-7464. Christine, I think I, I don't know, the idea of... uh, uh, going into a courthouse and legal activities, you know, kind of scares me because I don't have much familiarity with it. Um, and so having a lawyer next to you who can walk you through uh, instances would be extremely helpful. But, you know, sometimes it's not needed uh, financially or um for whatever reason, what are some reasons someone might be a pro se litigant, someone who might represent themselves without the assistance of an attorney? Well, I would strongly advise that if you can get an attorney, you should. There are so many things that happen in court. There are certain specific documents that are needed for your matter. When you get in court, there are procedural uh, matters where you need to make sure you're handling uh, the issues correctly. You're uh, examining your witnesses. Some of them need to corroborate what happened. Um, there's evidentiary procedures, and attorneys know how to handle all all of those. And a lot of pro se litigants do not. And in fact, courts sometimes spend up to four times the amount of time that would a case would normally take when they have a party who's unrepresented because they are trying to they can't you know tell them exactly what to do, but they're trying to steer them in the correct direction. And a lot of pro se litigants um, hurt themselves because they don't know all of these rules and ways to handle their case, and might end up losing because they didn't bring forth the correct evidence maybe in some matters or uh, procedurally handled the case wrong. Okay. And when I I mentioned before, I was on a jury and the 
uh, person did represent themselves, and it did take some extra time either when we would have to go be dismissed so that the judge could let her know procedure or give instruction on uh, how to proceed. And, I, I, you know, it, it did seem to, you know, maybe our, our case did take a little bit longer because of that. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, people but then get you've, their day. You've got, you've got the opposite end of the situation where um, people who are living at or below poverty uh, often have a legal need, but they don't have the resources to hire an attorney. And um, the estimate is that almost 21% of Mississippians are living at or below poverty, and that's about six or 700,000 people. And another estimate is that roughly half of all Americans' households are dealing with legal needs at any one time. Um, and so for those that are living at or below poverty, about 80% are not getting their legal needs met because there's not enough free attorneys, you know, legal service attorneys to help them with their matter. And so that's a lot of need out there, and and so that's why a lot of them end up just handling the matter themselves, thinking that's the only way they can get it resolved. And, and Liz, you know, this is really, these are civil matters we're talking about because, you know, in the criminal matters, the Supreme Court has said you, you have to have an attorney assigned if you can't afford one. But there are a lot of people, myself included, that say, hey, it's great. I think what Christine's doing, what the volunteer lawyers in this state are doing and other states giving so much free time to helping uh, clients who can't afford a lawyer is fantastic. And, you know, I don't think enough people know that about our profession, how much time is really given by lawyers. But the ideal situation would be greater funding for paid lawyers to uh, to serve for people who are impoverished and to say that anyone who has a legal need who can't afford it would, would have that help. Uh, that would be the ideal situation. Instead, what happens is the funding for legal services every year uh, tends to be cut or threatened to be cut completely. And, you know, th- there's an economic disadvantage for everyone when when someone who needs legal services uh, can't get those legal services and could benefit from those legal services, that actually impacts society in a negative way as well. With the Professor Gershon, I'm asking this off the top of my head, and if you need to take a, a break to research it, but is there any uh, ethical or for members of the Bar Association, is there any requirement that lawyers provide any pro bono, you know, any pro bono hours per month or per year? Well, the American Bar Association recommends and uh, but and and the states have gone different ways with that. Mississippi does not require pro bono service, but does uh, recommend or say that part of our obligations as lawyers is that we should give back. Uh, And so there is no ethical obligation, yet lawyers take take it on. Some states require pro bono that you have to report your pro bono every year. I'm a member of the Florida Bar, for example, I have to report the number of hours that I've given. Uh, If I don't give hours, then I'm supposed to give a donation and support of legal services. So uh, it it varies from bar association to bar association. But I think every lawyer, uh, you know, knows that we have an opportunity to to provide assistance and uh, lawyers really do step up to the plate and give a lot of time. We appreciate them that do. So if you have a question this morning, we're talking about um, 
We're talking about pro se litigants, people who represent themselves without the assistance of attorney. Our guest today is um, Christine Simpson, who is the director of the University of Mississippi's Law School Pro Bono Initiative. If you have a question or a comment, we'd love to have you join our discussion. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four you can also send us an email our address is legal terms at mpbonline.org and we have talked about how the clinic um, along with uh, other uh, courts in Mississippi, are going to have uh, access to Justice Month. will be celebrated in June. We'll have some uh, family law matter clinics listed. Uh, their website will be courts.ms.gov. And then um, there's also a website for federal courts, not state courts, uh, uscourts.gov slash forms for if an individual can uh, download some forms uh, for federal courts. We'll also have that link on our website. So, uh, Ms. Simpson, tell us a little bit more about the uh, pro bono initiative. We have been attending uh, various clinics all year. I will put a plug in for Judge Mask. She's with the First Chancery District in Mississippi, and she hosts a clinic at each county she represents, which there are eight counties. And so she has nine clinics per year because she hosts two in Lee County, which is her largest county. And she will get anywhere from 20 to 40 pro se litigants who show up for the clinic and there are usually about 20 to 25 attorneys who volunteer their time to come to the clinic and meet with these litigants and do what I said earlier about providing some free advice and some limited assistance with drafting of documents. The third chancery district up in the uh, northwest portion of the state, they also provide a pro se legal clinic um, year-round. They don't host it like on specific nights. Someone can apply to be a pro se litigant and get assistance through them, and they have quite a few volunteer attorneys in their six counties who help with those. And then here in Lafayette County, the 18th Chancery District, uh, we are about to host a clinic June 7th at 4 p.m. We are doing family law matters, and people can apply to be an attendee at one of these clinics for all three districts I was talking about at their local family resource center. They uh, have joined us as a partner in these clinics and they screen the applicants and let them know whether they qualify or not to attend. Those are the ones I'm most familiar with. I know there's stuff all around the state. Hines County has some. Um, Down on the coast they've hosted some clinics. And we've also done expungement clinics with MVLP, which is Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. They will host a clinic where people can get their criminal criminal record expunged. And we have done a um, one thing we did this year that was really interesting was we went to the Marshall County um, 
prison, and we did a information session with some of the inmates about family law, about custody, uh, parental rights, and child support, and where we just provided a presentation on those matters and how it might affect them in their situation. And they had some very interesting questions. They soaked up everything we told them and and asked all sorts of questions about their individual situations and we're going to go back next fall and do another session on another legal topic that was something very interesting that the students really enjoyed and we want to hear more about that Uh, we're going to take our next break Uh, when we get back we'll talk about how some of the the pro bono initiative how it works with policy policy initiatives if you have a question give us a call now Uh, it worries us when folks call at the end of the program and we aren't able to take all of your calls so if you'd like to join our discussion our number is 1-877-672-7464 that works out to be 1-877-MPB-RING you can also send us an email if you can't get to the phone our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org you're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert from the University of Mississippi School of Law in Oxford. And we're joined today by our guest, uh, Director Chris Simpson of the Law School's Pro Bono Initiative. Uh, Professor Gershon, are you familiar with uh, the history of the Pro Bono Initiative? How long has the the university's law school been uh, a proponent of uh, this program? Well, I mean, the the actual pro bono efforts of our students have gone on for a long time, but the the pro bono initiative started in 2011, and, I, and I'll be honest, it was uh, Professor Debbie Bell, who a good friend and uh, served as our interim dean uh, as well, uh, has been a long term uh, faculty member here, and has always been involved in in helping people. And Debbie was talking about retiring back in uh, in 2010, and and I said, you know, Debbie, what if what if we uh, instead you got to be involved in pro bono as as one of your teaching assignments and uh, it, like everything Debbie did she did a great job with it created this program from scratch and has worked with Mississippi Volunteer Le- uh, Legal Research uh, Le- Mississippi excuse me Volunteer Lawyers Project and other uh, constituencies around the state to really uh, create an active and vibrant sustainable program and so uh, and now we're really really lucky that Christine has taken it over what a clever way to snag someone who's uh, thinking about leaving <laughs> Yeah, I knew enough about it. I was new to the state at the time, but I'd heard enough about Debbie Bell to know that we did not want her to retire. All right. Well, we have a couple of calls that are holding. Uh, We're going to go to Elizabeth in New Albany. Uh, Elizabeth, what's your comment or question for our show today? And thanks for calling. 
Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. I just wanted to know why why does Mississippi not require lawyers to perform pro bono work for so many hours of pro bono work? That's a great question. If I can answer that, I know that actually the bar voted on it a few years ago, and I think the the the. Uh, controversy or the or the the problem is that people say well if you're making people volunteer then it's not voluntary and and that really has been the objection i've heard i, I don't disagree with it i you know I, I think that it would be good uh, if if every lawyer had to give uh, 50 hours but a lot of lawyers will tell you that even though they're not necessarily doing pro bono they're doing low bono where uh, they do work for someone and don't take the full fee they you know so uh, you know there are only so many hours in the day and it and also some lawyers are in a, a better position to do pro bono than other lawyers. I mean, if you're with a big firm and you have time to to step away a little bit and do some pro bono, a lot of firms will support that. If you're a solo practitioner and you're you know trying to pay your bills and, and keep your doors open, which some solo practitioners are, it's harder to give that free time. So the bar backed away from mandatory pro bono, but it is still something that uh, lawyers know is part of our, our certainly ethical considerations and things that we should do. Thanks, Elizabeth. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, next from Past Christiane, Pamela has called in. Thanks for calling in Legal Terms. Pamela, what's your question or comment for the show? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me to, uh, to answer my call. I have two quick questions. One, is there a income limit to go to the clinic? And also, do you need to go to the one in your county? Say if you're actually closer to the one in another county, would that be okay? That depends on the clinic. I know the one we're hosting in Lafayette is for the entire 18th Chancery District, which is uh, five counties. So anyone in those five counties can go to that clinic. So it will depend upon the clinic being held in your county, if it's covering the whole district, or if you have to be a resident of that particular county. And you would need to contact uh, whoever is hosting that clinic. As far as income, many of these clinics are hosted by the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project, and their requirement is 200% of the poverty level or lower, and they have to stay within that range because they are funded by the Legal Services Corporation, and a part of their funding is that they are helping people in that income range. And what would 200% of the poverty level be currently? So for a family of one, it is $23,540, and after that, you add $8,320 per person. Okay. Well, well, thank you all very much. Thank you. I I appreciate that you do, that there's pro bono, and there's other legal aid also for... um, it's not uh, for other questions. I noticed on the on the site that most of these clinics are for family matters. Yes. But there's like legal assistance or something in the state also to help. Legal people. services uh, has two branches. There's a southern branch and a northern branch, um, and they have a hotline you can call. Their income requirement is lower. They can only accept people who meet 125% of the poverty level or lower. And I don't have 
those numbers on me right now, mm-hmm. but um, they have a hotline, which is 1-800-498-1804. That's a statewide hotline, and then they recognize your number as to whether you should be in the southern half or the northern half. Um, but they accept calls Monday through Thursday, 9.30 to 3.30. Maybe y'all could put that number on again in a minute when I have a pen. Okay. You bet. You bet we'll do that, Pamela. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, we appreciate you calling. And we have another call uh, that uh, we're going to speak with uh, from Brandon. Ed has called in. Ed, thanks for calling in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. What's your question or comment for our show? Good morning. Good to talk to you this morning. I have a simple question. I had a will uh, drawn up a few years ago by an attorney, and circumstances have changed, so I need to change the uh, executor and I need to change the beneficiary. I know I can't write a codicil to the will, but can I just re... Is there any reason why I can't take that will and recopy it and change it? And then the question really is, does it need to be notarized or if two people sign it as witnesses, is that sufficient? That's a a great question. But yes, any will that you do, Mississippi allows someone to write a will in their own handwriting and and sign it, and that would be sufficient. Um, I recommend... uh, you know that you. I, I recommend that you talk to a lawyer, honestly, because there might be changes that uh, you haven't considered. Uh, it, it seems pretty simple that what you want to do is change uh, the executor and change uh, some other uh, information. But they may have suge- suggestions. It would not really cost very much to go talk to a lawyer and get a will drafted and done, uh, you know, properly. And the thing about it is, uh, if, if if they spot problems that maybe you don't see, what's going to end up happening is is that if you don't see those problems, and unfortunately everyone's going to die. So when you die, uh, it may leave your family an issue uh, that you hadn't thought about that a lawyer could help you resolve ahead of time. So the cost of having a will done by a lawyer uh, is, you know, it, it would be much higher cost if there's a problem in probate court and you have to litigate it down the road. So I always recommend that people you know, talk to a lawyer and, and find out, you know, are there things that you, other things you should be doing? Maybe a trust is a better document for you than a will, too. It might be in your situation. Uh, you know, that may not be. Sure, uh, I, I understand. You, I've looked into some of that before. Thank you. Sure. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Ed. Um, uh, We've got Chris Simpson, the director of the Ole Miss School of Law's Pro Bono Initiative. And one of the things uh, the website talks about that the Pro Bono Initiative does, it works with uh, advocacy organizations um, uh, to help form uh, statewide policy initiatives. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, so now say that again, Liz. I'm sorry. Oh, (laughs) that the pro bono initiative, uh, some of the students work with maybe the Mississippi Access to Justice Commission and uh, other organizations to uh, help research some of uh, the, the policies that might become statewide initiatives. Right. Well, and that, they do, and we they also work. We have uh, uh, the Mississippi um, uh, 
Law Institute that also does look at, uh, at at those types of issues. I mean, policy issues, they have to work with the legislature to try to create change or work with the Supreme Court to try to create change in, in policy itself to to allow greater access. Uh, you know, and one of the things would be, for example, one of the policy issues was the forms that they were working on uh, would be something that they would look at to try to get those forms officially uh, accepted by the courts and to to be official documents of the courts. You mentioned the U.S. Uh, federal court documents that are uh, going to be posted on our website. So the federal courts have some forms that they uh, specifically allow for pro se. There's a, I, I, from what I understand, there's a lot more support in the federal courts for just pro se in general. There, you know, there usually is even an attorney who's assigned to work with uh, pro se litigants to some extent. Uh, and, you know, and so the federal courts are a little better funded in that respect, but trying to uh, affect uh, policy for people who can't afford uh, lawyers, I think, is really what our students are, are primarily uh, dealing with. Well, we appreciate that uh, the, the university gives their students um, who are going to be our, our next crop of, of lawyers this uh, great opportunity, this background to help them form good habits to represent uh, maybe underserved members of our population. Right. And, you know, the one thing that I and talking to lawyers like Christine who have worked with uh, pro bono and, and, and done this kind of work. Uh, lawyers and big firms have said some of their best experiences are helping people uh, with their problems pro bono. And so, you know, it's a great experience for a lawyer, too. And so, uh, you know, maybe one of the things I think, you know, Christine, how do lawyers get involved in your program? We have a lot of local bar associations become partners with the clinics and they recruit lawyers within their bar association. And um, a lot of judges talk to lawyers and say, you know, I've got a clinic coming up. We sure could use your help. And not many lawyers are going to turn down a judge. But the bar associations are our biggest recruiters for attorneys. All right. Well, we're going to take our last break of the show. Uh, We're talking about today what you can do if you don't have a lawyer or uh, what items you can accomplish on your own if you need to be your own lawyer, which is a pro se litigant that we've learned. But we still have time for ta- to take your phone calls. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And we'll also give out some of our uh, the phone numbers and websites that we've talked about during the show when we come back. This is in Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All 
Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Remember, if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app, as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is the law school's pro bono initiative, uh, Director Christine Simpson. And today we've been talking about what you can do if you don't have a lawyer or some ways uh, for you if you... some low-cost ways you can obtain one or ways that you can um, be a lawyer for yourself. The Mississippi Center for Legal Services, their phone number is 1-800-498-1804. And I'll repeat that. The Mississippi Center for Legal Services is 1-800-498-1804. One eight zero four. That number will be on our website. Um, there are a number of uh, clinics coming up in June. The it's, June is Access to Justice Month, so there are a lot of uh, civil matter. Uh, family law matter clinics. You can find some of them at the courts.ms.gov. We'll also have them on our website, mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. And if uh, you have a federal matter, the, the website for the U.S. Courts gov that very nice little animated uh, clip art pictures on it anyway they have lots of tabs and uh, there's a services and forms tab so if you have uh, internet access or you go to your library for internet access those are different ways that you can uh, participate in in gaining some of this information and Liz I'm gonna I have to interject here that, you know, you asked the policy question, and I got it straight from the horse's mouth, if you will. Debbie Bell emailed me and said that the students have looked at rules and laws that create barriers to pro se assistance, like rules of professional responsibility. So, uh, you know, one of the things that they looked at in terms of the policy issues then would be our, our ethical rules say that once we enter into an attorney-client relationship with someone, we have certain duties to that person. And so if you're advising someone pro se, you, you really do technically enter into then an attorney-client relationship, and it makes it hard for lawyers then to give advice to pro se, pro se litigants. So one of the things that, uh, that Debbie students and, and Christine students are, are looking into is how do we uh, remove some of those barriers so that uh, greater assistance can be given to people who are representing themselves. Fantastic. And now we have a call on the line from Mobile. It's Mikey. Thanks for calling in legal terms. Mikey, what's your question or comment for the show? Thank you so much, and I think that um, Dr. Gershon just partially answered it. Um, uh, The retainers, lawyers and retainers, that's a contract, right, between the lawyer and the... And if there's not a retainer, then the lawyer is free to discuss this with anyone, is what I was told. Um, Are these services, uh, the privacy of the case, is that a part of it? 
It is. I mean, well, lawyers have a duty of confidentiality to their clients and uh, and actually even prospective clients. So if someone came into my office and wanted to talk to me about taking their case and I decided not to, the, the information I gained uh, in that interview would also be confidential. Uh, and uh, so but but, you know, the, the so the attorney client relationship is really, really a special relationship. And there are a lot of duties that arise from the attorney client relationship. But a lawyer would, you know, if somebody comes up to me on the soccer field, my kid's playing soccer, and they say, and the assistant coach comes up to me and says, I have this problem. Or if someone calls this radio show and says, I have this problem, we can't give legal advice because we don't want to create that attorney-client relationship because we don't want to step into that situation where now we have duties to that person. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the best, the best thing is to have a contract, as you said. All right. Thank you, Mikey. We appreciate uh, you calling in. Uh, while we wait for our next phone call, uh, this are, is our last segment of the show. Uh, tell us some more. Uh, Director Christine Simpson of the Ole Miss School of Law's Pro Bono Initiative. Well, um I'm not sure exactly what else you're going to talk about, but I can't stress enough these clinics. They, we hope that people will take advantage of the opportunity to get some advice and possible, uh, possibly get some documents done while they're at the clinic. Uh, it's a great resource. You're sitting with an attorney. You're getting the advice on your matter. You are getting instructions on how to handle your matter, how to get the documents filed, um, how to represent yourself in court. And for those people out there who qualify and who have a situation that they have been trying to get handled, this is a great opportunity. And like I said, we've got the one in Lafayette on June 7th. I know there's several on June 7th. Um, again, if they go to the courts.ms.gov, and they need to go under news. And there's under news, there's a topic about the 30 free clinics uh, throughout the state, and it lists them all. Um, but all right. Well, before we talk about maybe what some of the topics that uh, some of the clinics would cover, we have a caller. Our, our last call from Calhoun County is Dudley. Thanks for calling in legal terms. Thank you so much. And I really do like the show. My concern is a person who has committed a crime and does not have the money to afford a lawyer for his trial. Would this service also apply to these people? No, as, as Professor Gershon said earlier, um, these services are for civil matters. Um, when you are in a disagreement with someone else, for criminal matters, you are given the right to an attorney, and they will appoint one uh, if you cannot afford them. Oh, so you could not choose an attorney from your service if uh, if you couldn't afford it. No. Thank you so much. And, and one thing is most of the attorneys, I think, that, that would volunteer for your program would be civil lawyers. I mean, you, you know, I may volunteer to help uh, in a family law matter or something like that or, or, you know, with a will or something like that. But you wouldn't want me to do your criminal law case. Right. We, we want to get uh, information um, 
uh, from people who are uh, familiar with the case. So, um, you know, looking at the uh, the court's uh, MS website, uh, here's one that talks about the law clinics held in Cleveland, Greenwood, and Clarksdale. And they do specify, like the one at the Bolivar County Courthouse uh, in Cleveland is for Bolivar County residents. So it would uh, behoove individuals to look it up to see what's in there. Uh, area, but for example, the one in at, at Clarksdale is for residents of Cahoma, Quitman, and Tunica counties. Yes, and and the various clinics also might cover different matters. Some are expungement only clinics. Some are family law matters only clinics. So you do need to look into the clinic for your area whether it will cover the issue you have. Right. Um, this website mentions that some of the family law clinics will offer assistance with adoptions, uncontested divorces, emancipation of minors, guardianships, birth certificate corrections, name changes, and wills. Uh, the birth certificate corrections, we just had a coworker who said their friend, his middle name was Allen, and he always spelled it A-L-L-E-N, but... He realized on his birth certificate is A-L-E-N. And so I think in our digital age, he's going to have some uh, need to get some legal work to get all of his information changed. Yes, that's very likely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, uh, Director Simpson, we appreciate you coming on to the show and telling us about the law school's pro bono initiative and the, uh, the the clinics that are coming on this summer, specifically in June. Uh, what uh, You've got lots going on this summer. What, uh, what will you be uh, with your new crop of law students in the fall? Uh, what will some of the, what them start working on? Well, we'll just keep with the clinics we have. Now, the new law students are not allowed to uh, volunteer for the pro bono until the spring of their first year. We give them the semester to settle in and get some of the theoretical classes under their belts first. But we've got, you know, clinics that are going on continuously year-round and scheduled year-round, and we'll be helping with those and asking for the older students to volunteer and just keep going away well and one thing with that you know there's a tropical storm obviously and one of the things that christine and i talked about during the break is that in the past the pro bono initiative has put together packets for disaster relief and things like that too so those kind of things pop up as well and we certainly appreciate all the lawyers who do answer the call uh to volunteer uh that uh that they volunteer and help out and they help in their communities well, thank you so much. I think this has been an extremely informative hour. So uh, that'll wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you, uh, Director Christine Simpson. Thank you of so the much. Law School's Pro Bono Initiative for coming on to our show. So our call screener for today has been Michelle McAdoo and uh, Joe Hall. Our intern has been our board engineer in Jackson. In Oxford, Tracy Daniel helps out. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. Thanks for listening to Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.